Now let's take our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 5, please. Romans chapter 5. Verse 21 says, That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for uh, this day, we thank you for the uh, opportunity, Father, to uh, look into your word. We pray that you'd guide us now as we study your word together. That, Father, we would uh, indeed learn of you. Pray that, Father, you would open our uh, understanding to your word. I pray that, Father, you'd help me to have clarity. And uh, may the Savior be lifted up in praise as we study your word together this day, Father. Uh, guide now, we pray, as we look into your word. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19, as we've seen, compares Adam to Christ. They're similar in their positions. Each one stands as our representatives. Adam in the Garden of Eden as our federal head. Christ on the cross of Calvary as our spiritual head. And those in Adam's line are sinners guilty before God. Those in Christ's line, those who have believed in Jesus Christ, their Savior, are declared righteous and have hope for eternity. Now in closing, Paul contrasts the law with grace and sin with grace. Paul has completed his statement and his declaration on justification in Romans chapter 5, verses 12, uh, 5 chapter 1, verse uh, chapter one, 5, verse 1 through chapter 5, verse 19. But he goes on and he says, moreover, in verse 20, which we saw last week. And that word, moreover, implies that he has still has something further to say. It's as if the Apostle Paul felt that he left some loose ends that he needed to tie up before he moves on to Romans chapter 6. Things that he just can't leave said undone. And first of all, we saw last week that reveals the contrast between law and grace. In verse 20, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. What we saw was that sin, where sin abounded, grace did superabound. Now today, as we come to the last verse, verse 21, we see that the Apostle Paul reveals to us the contrast between sin and grace. That if sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Every one of us is in one of two positions today. Either you and I are under sin or under grace. There is only two places to stand. You either are in Adam or you're in Christ. You're under sin or you're under grace. There is no middle ground. As Paul has kept on saying over and over again, the choice is ours. We can remain in Adam, or by faith in Jesus Christ, we can become a member of the family of God and be found in Christ. And Romans 5.21 introduces to us the last of the contrasts that he has been making here in Romans chapter 5. And the contrast begins with the words, that as sin. And first here he reveals to us the wreckage that Adam caused. Sin reigning unto death. Then he gives the contrast. Even so might grace. 
And here he reveals, secondly, the riches of Christ wrought, which is grace through reigning, uh, sorry, grace reigning through righteousness unto eternal life. So this morning, let's consider the, this closing verse, and let's note the contrast given between the wreckage of Adam and the righteousness of Christ, between this matter of sin and grace. And firstly, we have revealed to us the wreckage that Adam caused in verse 21a. That as sin hath reigned unto death, <coughs> excuse me, sin reigning unto death. This is the wreckage that Adam's sin in disobedience in the Garden of Eden caused for all of mankind. Sin reigning unto death. There are three concepts here that we need to understand. The first concept is the concept of sin. It says there that as sin hath reigned unto death. And sin here is, uh, as we've seen many times in Romans chapter 5, primarily the sin of Adam. The emphasis in Romans chapter 5, verses 19 to 21, when it talks about the offense, when it talks about the sin, primarily is talking about the sin or the offense of Adam. And so once again here in verse 21, Adam is viewed as our representative. He stands as our representative in the Garden of Eden, and it says, sin hath reigned unto death. From the time of Adam to today, sin hath reigned unto death. His guilt has been imputed to all of mankind. His guilt is seen as being placed to our account, a fact which our sin bears record of. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sin. Verse 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, and the bounded unto many. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Verse 12, verse 15, verse 17 talks about the offense of one, the sin of one. Death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And the truth is that you and I are sinners. We're sinners by nature as well as sinners by practice, but primarily in view here is the fact that you and I inherited the sin nature from Adam and we deserve eternal damnation. We deserve eternal punishment. We deserve to be separated from God for all of eternity. The second concept that we need to consider here is that sin reigned. That sin hath reigned. When Adam fell, you know, it seemed as if sin had won. It seemed as if sin was going to triumph, triumph absolutely over all things. The sin was going to reign eternally. For mankind, apart from Christ, is under the reign of sin. And the trouble for you and I is that since the fall of Adam, it's not simply that you and I sin, which we do, but that you and I are born under the dominion of sin. To put it another way, sin is a tyrant, seeking to, de to destroy, or rather seeking to control and destroy us. Sin reigns. Sin is the, is the reigning monarch 
of the world. And death is the consequence, as we're going to see. But sin reigns. It's a tyrant seeking to control and destroy us. And you and I must cease to think of ourselves, or to think of the sinner, as a man who occasionally does something wrong. Now, while it's true, people sin. And I don't want to diminish the understanding of the fact that we all sin. We're all sinful in the sense that we commit sins. And mankind does sin, and therefore a man is a sinner. But we have to, when it comes to the context of Romans chapter 5, we have to cease thinking about a sinner as someone who sins occasionally, does something wrong. Because while that's true, the real trouble for the sinner is that they're a slave under the dominion of sin. The real trouble for the world and those who are outside of Christ is not particularly their sinful behavior, but the fact that they are sinners, they're under the reign of sin. They live in the wrong kingdom. They're under the dominion of sin. And those in the dominion of sin, those in Adam, are destined for a Christ's eternity. They're in the wrong kingdom. Sin reigns, and sin is seeking to destroy them. From the moment that man fell, there was no such thing as freedom. Everybody, after uh, born of Adam and Eve, after Adam and Eve fell, they were no longer free. They were in bondage to sin. Adam was free. And Eve was free until the moment they disobeyed God, until the moment they they sinned against Almighty God. But once they sinned, they were no longer free, and not one single child of Adam has ever been free from the dominion of sin. Adam lost our freedom for us. And so you and I are born or shapen in iniquity, as Psalm 51.5 says. We were born under the dominion of sin. Mankind is governed, mankind is ruled, controlled by sin. Simply put, sin reigns. The third concept you need to understand on the wreckage that Adam caused is sin reigned under death. That as sin hath reigned, Unto death. Sin brought condemnation, and sin ultimately brings death. Now, the death of which he speaks here in Romans chapter 5, verse 21, is both spiritual death and physical death. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, then you are spiritually dead. You're merely existing in this world. You're not alive. You are dead. An unsaved person is dead in trespasses and sins. They're destined for a Christ's eternity because they are sinners. Life, when the Bible speaks of life, it means to know God. To have fellowship with Him. If you're not in Christ and having fellowship with God, then you do not really have life. What you have is death. You're under the reign of death. You will die physically one day, for all men die, but you are dead spiritually already. 
See, Adam's sin brought about spiritual death, which is separation from God. It will ultimately bring physical death, which is separation from this world. But it also brings eternal death, eternal separation from God. You see, if you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have life. Life comes by a relationship with him. When you leave the kingdom of Adam and join the kingdom of Christ, when you leave the dominion of sin and end up in the dominion of Christ, you have eternal life. But if you're in Adam, you are dead in trespass and sins, you're under the reign of sin, and, and death reigns because of sin. And you will, you are dead spiritually, and they are, and the unsaved are going to die physically, but ultimately they're going to be separated from God eternally, which is a second death, Revelation tells us, eternal damnation. And the reality is, in Adam, it seems as if sin would be able to claim the victory. Adam was put to the test. God gave him a choice. He said, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and Good and evil thou mayest not eat, from the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Adam chose death rather than life. And if God had done nothing about it, then death would win. Because it reigns. And the reign of death would have reigned supreme if it was not for God. Death reigns. The wage of sin is death. But note the contrast here. Not only do we see the wreckage that Adam caused, but we see, secondly, the riches that Christ wrought. It says, Even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Now there are four concepts here. I guess this is a seven-point message. I know that. There's four concepts here that I want you to understand. And uh, as we go brief with the three concepts... We're not going to take a lot of time on the four concepts, but we do need to understand these four concepts that are mentioned here under the riches that Christ wrought. Number one, grace. You know, the question must be asked, as it's been asked many times in Romans before, it must be asked, how can God, who is holy and eternally just and righteous and pure, how can he reconcile a sinner unto himself? How can a holy God reconcile sinners unto himself? Because we know the truth is this, that God cannot set aside his law. The law of God is the holy standard. That's what Romans 5.20 has told us. The law was brought alongside sin so that we might see how sinful we really are. So the law is God's holy standard. The law is God's standard of righteousness and it is not possible for God to violate his own law. It's not possible for God to set aside his own law. God gave his law and he cannot and he will not detract anything from that law because that law is a reflection of his character. And if God was to alter his law in any way, it would imply a defect in God. Not just a defect in the law. If the law is not perfect, then God is not perfect. Any 
imperfections in the law of God reflects badly upon the character of God for the law of God is a reflection of the character of God. If the law is imperfect, then God is defective. And God cannot violate his own nature. For God to somehow go against the very law that he gave to expose mankind's sin, it would be to go against his own nature, his own character, and God cannot do that. God cannot, and God does, does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In him there is no variableness, there is no shadow of turning. God is immutable, he does not change. So how can God remain what he eternally is and yet forgive the sinner? Well, the answer is grace. This undeserved favor, this undeserved, unmerited favor of God, grace. You see, salvation must always be righteous because God is righteous. God's character requires that any dealings of God with mankind must be based upon his righteousness. God cannot go against his righteousness in order to save us. He can't overlook sin. He can't simply just dismiss sin. God must deal in righteousness if we are to be saved. And grace is the means by which God is able to give to you and I what we don't deserve. Unmerited favor. The grace of God has found a way for God to forgive us while at the same time ensuring God does not violate his character. So sin reigns under death, but grace now reigns under life. Grace has dominion when you and I believe. Grace is able to do for us what only God can do. Grace reigns because of what happened in Jesus Christ. Grace reigns because of what happened on the cross of Calvary. Go back with me to Romans chapter 3, please. Romans chapter 3 and verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has set forth with propitiation through faith in his righteous blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of them, of him which believeth in Jesus. Here's the glorious truth. In verse 24, being justified freely by his grace, how? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he has set forth a propitiation through faith in his blood. It's the propitiatory, the satisfactory work of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary that enables God to demonstrate grace to you and I. 
As we said in Romans chapter 3, what God did at Calvary was He placed upon Him the wrath of mankind. Jesus Christ paid the debt of our sin. He stood in our place. He paid the price of our redemption. And because Christ died, God was satisfied. And Christ stands the propitiation for our sins so that God can remain just and also be the justifier of them which believe. God's righteous standard, the holy law, was satisfied by Christ's death upon the cross of Calvary. And now God can offer unmerited favor to you and I, grace to you and I, because the price has been paid. Grace reigns because of Christ. Grace reigns because of Calvary. Grace reigns because of propitiation, the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ upon the cross of Calvary. Christ made it possible for you and I to receive grace. Jesus paid it all, the songwriter said, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. God forgave us because Christ satisfied the righteous demands of a holy God at Calvary. Therefore, grace meets sin head on and defeats it. That's Romans 5, 15 to 17. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, and the bound on the many. And not as it was by the one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift of many offenses under justification, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Grace met sin head on and defeats it. Grace reigns when we believe. For by grace you're saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Grace reigns. The second concept under this wonderful work that Christ did for you and I, the riches that Christ wrought, the second concept is righteousness. Verse 21 again. Even so might grace reign through righteousness. Now this is not the righteousness provided by man. But this is the righteousness that's imputed by Christ to those that believe. It was through this righteousness that grace triumphed over sin. Let me read verse 17 again for you. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more, by the, uh, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign by one Jesus Christ. It's what Jesus Christ did for us that enables grace to triumph over sin. Grace reigns through righteousness. See, you and I need to understand that you and I are not the recipients of unmerited favor simply because God has somehow ignored our sin. It's not that God has just overlooked what's going on. It's not as though God has got a blind eye to your sin and my sin and somehow it just, he just doesn't see it anymore. 
The only reason you and I are recipients of grace, the only reason why grace reigns is because of Christ's righteousness. When he died on Calvary as our substitute, where he died in our place, then what happened was when we played our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then his righteousness was imputed unto us and grace reigns because of righteousness. That rain, the, the grace reigns because you and I have been declared righteous by Jesus' death upon the cross of Calvary and our faith in him. Grace reigns because God's righteous demands have been satisfied. Grace reigns not because God overlooks sin, but because of Christ. Because sin has been paid for. That's why grace reigns. Whenever, wherever grace rules, God's righteous standards respected. In order for grace to exist, for God's unmerited favor to exist, the price had to be paid. Wherever God's grace exists, righteousness abounds. You know, the legalists have a fear for those who actually believe, for those of us who believe that we're saved by grace, or once saved, always saved. Because they believe that the reign of grace provides you and I, wicked, uh, wicked hearts, with a license to sin. That if you are saved by grace, and that is eternal, and you cannot lose your salvation, that if you are saved by grace, you cannot lose your salvation, that that will lead to you and I sinning. Because it gives us license to sin. Yet that's not the point of grace. Grace teaches righteousness. You see, the scripture doesn't share the fear of the legalist. Because wherever grace abounds, righteousness also abounds. Go to Titus chapter 2, please. Titus chapter 2. Verses you know so well, but they fit so well with Romans chapter 5. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now notice what grace teaches. Grace teaches us that denying godliness and worldly lusts, we should live right, soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. Grace does not teach license to sin. Grace does not give you and I license to disobey God. Grace teaches us, that's what the verse says, grace teaches us that we're to deny ungodliness, unworldly lusts, and we're to live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. So contrary to what the legalist believes, grace does not give us license to sin, Grace teaches us to live righteously. Because you and I are the recipients of the grace of God, you and I ought to live in accordance with that grace. You see, the truth is, that grace does not accommodate sin. It faces it squarely and goes above and beyond in order to conquer sin. 
One commentator said this. He said, grace does not wink at unrighteousness. It confronts sin with the atonement at the cross and the victory won at the open tomb. You know, grace is no friend of sin. In fact, grace is the sworn enemy of sin. Because sin reigns unto death. Grace reigns unto life. They're polar opposites. Grace reigns through righteousness. Sin reigns through disobedience. Another commentator said, As heat is opposed to cold and light to darkness, so grace is opposed to sin. Fire and water may well agree in the same vessel as grace and sin in the same heart. Because grace reigns through righteousness. And grace teaches righteousness. The third concept here, under the uh, riches that Christ wrought, is eternal or everlasting life. Even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. Grace reigns to eternal life. Grace gives us something and takes us somewhere. You know, God provides for you and I at salvation more than just everlasting life in the sense that that life will never end. Because when you and I receive the grace of God at salvation... You and I received eternal life, but eternal life has the idea of more than just living for eternity. It has the idea of a present quality of life. God's quality of life, given to us right now. You and I already are experiencing the benefits of eternal life. Not simply when we die, but right now. When the sinner is clothed in righteousness provided by God through the death of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary, you and I already have everlasting life. Look in verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. We're given the justification of life. You know, this life is a glorious life. This glorious new life in heaven. This glorious life which in principle is given to us here and now is what's been spoken of now. It says John 10.10 says, I come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. You and I are the recipients right now of eternal life. And right now you and I are enjoying the benefits of that Grace reigning in our lives. You and I are in fellowship with God. You and I have the privilege of being His children. You and I have the benefit of being able to call Him our Father. You and I have the indwelling Holy Spirit. You and I have the ability to go before the throne of grace boldly because of the blood of Jesus Christ and know that God hears and answers our prayers. You and I are the recipients right now of the abundance of grace. Grace reigns through life, through eternal life, through grace to eternal life. You and I have eternal life even now. He came to give us life 
and that we might have it more abundantly. And the fourth and the last concept that we want to consider here is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So by, uh, sorry, even so might grace reign through righteousness and eternal life by Jesus Christ, our Lord. Grace reigns through Jesus. There is a king in the kingdom where grace reigns and the king is Jesus Christ. Sin reigned and death was the king. Grace reigns and Christ is the king. There is a king in the kingdom and Jesus Christ is his name. A life of grace, beloved, is all about Jesus Christ. It's not about you, it's not about me, it's about him. One commentator says, a life of grace doesn't look to self because it understands that this undeserved favor of God is given apart from any reason in self. All the reasons for the benefits that you and I are recipients of because of grace are found in Jesus Christ. None of the reasons offended me. Grace is unmerited favor. There was nothing in me that warranted my salvation. There was nothing in me that warrants me having eternal life. There's nothing in me that warrants all the blessings that I am now the beneficiary of because of grace. The only reason that you and I are the recipients of this abundant grace of Almighty God is because of Christ. Jesus died on Calvary for you and for me, and you and I are the blessed recipients of the grace of God because of Him. It's all of Christ. It must not be forgotten that apart from the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ, grace would never have been able to be given or granted to you and I. Without the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, grace could never have conquered sin. Without the substitutionary sacrifice upon the cross of Calvary, grace could never have conquered death. Without Christ, grace could never have been given to you and I. You and I could never have been declared righteous by the grace of God without Calvary. Let's never forget that. The law, as we saw last week, had made man's sins increase or made man's awareness of sin to increase. And when it did, God's grace abounded even more. God's grace was more than adequate to deal with man's sin. Remember verse 20? Moreover, the Lord entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Even though sin and death still reign in this world, grace is also reigning through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's true that these bodies that you and I possess as believers, the Christian's body is subject to physical death. It's also true that you and I are subject to sinful desires. Our flesh is tempted to sin. But in Jesus Christ, you and I can reign 
in life. Because you and I are part of the gracious kingdom of Jesus Christ, you and I know that life reigns, that grace reigns. It's a wonderful assurance in that to know this, that even though I am going to die physically one day, and even though this flesh is subject to sin, grace reigns through Jesus Christ. That I am not dependent upon my salvation, upon anything that I do. I did not do anything to get saved, and I can do nothing to maintain my salvation. It's all of Christ. It's all of grace. Grace reigns because of Christ, not because of me. Grace reigns because of Christ, not because of my behavior. Grace reigns not because of anything that I have done. Yes, my body is subject to physical death, but even when I die, grace will reign. Because I'm a recipient of eternal life through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Grace reigns. And praise God today that grace reigns. If you're in Adam, death reigns. But if you're in Christ, grace reigns. In John Bunyan's classic Pilgrim's Progress, a wonderful character is a man named Mr. Honest. One day he said to his friends, or rather one day Mr. Honest called his friends and said unto them, I die, but shall make no will. As my honesty, it shall go with me. When the day of his, uh, when the day that he was to be gone was come, he dressed himself to go over the river. Now the river at that time overflowed the banks in some places, but Mr. Honest in his lifetime had spoken to one named Good Conscience to meet him there, that which he also did, and lent him his hand, and so helped him over. The last words of Mr. Honest were, Grace reigns, and he left this world. We cannot help being in Adam, for this came by our first birth, of which we had no control. But you and I can help staying in Adam, for we can experience the second birth, a new birth from above that will put us in Christ. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. What a glorious Savior we have in Jesus Christ. And the glorious knowledge that we have as believers is that one day, you and I will get to glory. The glorious knowledge that you and I have is that at the end of the day, grace reigns. And because it does, we know that we have life eternal and that we have a truly abundant life now because, beloved, grace reigns because of Calvary. I wonder this morning if you experienced the grace of God. Can you honestly say, grace reigns in my life because of Christ? You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. If you're in Adam... Death reigns. If in Christ, grace reigns. And if grace reigns, you will have and do have eternal life. Have you experienced the grace of God?
Let's pray. Grace, Father, we thank you this morning that grace reigns. That Jesus Christ died upon the cross of Calvary and purchased our redemption, became the substitutionary sacrifice on our behalf, satisfying the righteous demands of a holy God so that God could indeed offer grace to all who believe. That God's unmerited favor can be offered to us on the merits of Christ upon Calvary. We thank you, Father God, today that grace reigns and that where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And grace can reign in every heart and every life today if we'd only believe. For those of us who are saved, may we rejoice today in the knowledge that grace reigns. And when the day comes for us to pass over from this life to the next, grace reigns. Lord, if anybody here today who doesn't know you as their Savior, may they today acknowledge that the only way that they can experience life abundantly here and life eternally in glory is to receive the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ today. Commend your word to us, we pray in Jesus' name.